Chapter 3, Chill of an Early Fall Jamie finished grading the last of the midterm assignments and leaned back from her desk, stretching her arms in front of her. She looked out of her second-floor window to see one of the ginkgo trees on campus. It was a beautiful, bright yellow, and only a handful of its leaves had fallen. The students all joked about its strong smell, but it was pretty enough to get away with that, she thought. She couldn't believe they were nearing the end of October already. Between morning runs with Webb, teaching, weekly meetings with Libby, and the extra time with her dad, the months at home had flown. She was happier here than she'd ever expected she could be. What was it from the list that made her happiest, she started to wonder. A knock on her office door interrupted her thoughts, and Tanner Phillips walked in, a broad smile on his chiseled face. His light brown curls were studiously tuzzled, and he wore the standard professor's uniform of a wool blazer, jeans, and expensive loafers. How about dinner tonight? he asked. Sorry, I can't tonight, she replied automatically. He sat in the chair across from her desk and crossed his arms. That's the same answer you give me every time I ask. Don't you eat? Of course, I just eat with my dad. You really should get out more, Jamie. One of the undergrads walking down the hall did a double take and stopped when she spotted him in Jamie's office. Good night, Dr. Phillips, she said flirtatiously as she poked her head in. He looked over his shoulder, his smile widening. Good night, Tori. We'll talk more about your article tomorrow. Jamie rolled her eyes as the young woman giggled and continued down the hall. Maybe you should get out a little less, Tanner, she said pointedly. Just being friendly. I want to be the kind of teacher they can trust. You know, a friend more than an authority figure. The kind of teacher they can date when they've finished with your class? He shrugged. I can't deny it's happened occasionally. In the past. But, you know, I have to admit sometimes it would be nice to be with more of an equal, he said, propping his elbows on her desk. Someone who's seen more of the world, lived a little more life. Is that your way of saying someone as old as I am? Thanks a lot, Jamie laughed. Of course not, Tanner replied smoothly, taking her hand. I just value your experience. He turned his head to the side. And you really are a lovely woman. You're what, 5'5", runner's body, so you're strong but not skinny? Your hair's a little shorter than I'm used to, but it could be a nice change of pace for both of us. We've known each other more than 20 years. It might be fun to add another layer to the relationship. You're not seeing anyone, right? He raised an eyebrow and leaned in closer. Tanner had been a fantastic news director at her first reporting job in Birmingham, and they'd stayed in touch over the years. He'd served as a mentor for her through every step of her career and had been an invaluable source of advice for her transition to academia after Amanda was born. Nevertheless, she thought, he's just like Hank, and you couldn't pay me to go down that road again. As Webb said, a possum doesn't change its stripes. Is this a bad time? She heard Lacey ask from her office door. Not at all, she replied, still chuckling and shaking her hand free. Come in, Lacey. Dr. Phillips was just leaving. Lacey Brock, he said as he turned towards her, a smile spreading across his face. You're in my Tuesday morning section, right? I don't believe we've had the chance to talk much. Feel free to stop by my office. I'd be happy to look at your work. Tanner, Jamie said in a warning tone. Webb would never forgive her if she let this guy near his daughter. I'm going, I'm going, he said as he walked out of the office. Good night, ladies. 
Jamie shook her head and leaned back from her desk as Lacey sat across from her. I'm going to give you some unsolicited advice, Lacey. Never date your professor, and more importantly, never date a man who can't keep his eyes on you for an entire conversation. Lacey grinned. I'll keep that in mind, she said. Now, what can I do for you? Jamie asked. I'm kind of thinking about applying to the Freeman program for next summer, Lacey said, and I wanted your advice. Dad said you'd gotten it when you were in school. The Freeman program was a competitive and intensive summer study abroad program. It was completely funded for third-year communication students at the college, and it combines summer courses with an internship in their field. Wow, that's great, Jamie replied. Of course, you're going up against the other communication majors, and those public relations people can be tough to beat. They always make themselves sound really impressive. Lacey laughed. I have no doubt you can do it, though, Jamie continued. Start putting together your portfolio now and let me see it as you go along. When's the application due? Not until February, so I have a little time. That'll give me plenty of time to pray about it, too. You sound like Libby with the praying, but all that sounds perfect, Jamie said. And I'll be one of your references, too. Oh, this is exciting. Did you enjoy it when you were there? Lacey asked. It was absolutely amazing, Jamie replied. After that summer, I knew for sure I wanted to go into international journalism. Lacey looked puzzled. How do you end up teaching then? Well, Jamie said, I also met the guy who turned out to be my husband that summer. He was a journalist as well, and as cliche as it sounds, we were ready to take on the world together. We got married right after I finished school. We spent a year working in Birmingham and had just gotten jobs in New York. Then I found out Amanda was on the way, and I learned the hard truth that being a mom and working your dream job don't always go together. Lacey's face fell, but she nodded. Don't look so sad, Jamie continued. I wouldn't trade that kid for any job in the world. And teaching turned out to be a pretty wonderful consolation prize. Everyone's path is different, so I'm not trying to discourage you, but I'll go ahead and tell you, Lacey, for me, being a mother in my line of work was pretty tough. Things have changed some in the world since then, which is great, and I have high hopes for your generation. But it's never too soon to start thinking about what you want your life to look like. And this is your time to dream big. I tell Amanda that all the time, probably too much for her liking. Will your daughter be here for Thanksgiving? Lacey asked. I think I remember meeting her before, but it's been a long time. She will, Jamie replied. We'll have to reintroduce the two of you. She's majoring in digital media and design at UConn. She wants to make movies, so she's dreaming pretty big herself right now. Lacey smiled and stood. I should get going, but thanks. It's always nice talking to you. Anytime, Jamie replied, and I'm proud of you for going for it on the Freeman program. If the judges are smart, you'll get it. Thanks again, Jamie. Webb pulled his old Ford Ranger into the Cardinal Drive-In and ordered his usual large root beer float. He started to roll the window up, then heard Waylon Jennings and a dog whining to his right. Surely not, he thought. Dang it, can't catch a break. He knew he'd put himself in the position to see Jamie every morning, but it still felt sometimes like he was under an extra load of temptation these days. He saw her everywhere, from church to hanging out clothes in the backyard, and now, he suspected, at the drive-in. He glanced at the car next to him and, sure enough, saw Jamie reading and sipping on her own drink, George's head resting on her lap. He paused, then, unable to stop himself, rolled down the passenger side window. Nose in a book and a large ocean water, he called. Might as well be senior year again. She looked at him over her reading glasses. 
We're going to regret these late-night snacks on tomorrow's run, she replied, but sometimes you just get a craving you can't shake. The server brought his float, and he looked at her again. He knew he should turn around and go home, but she was right there in front of him. You want to go for a ride? he asked, his voice wavering more than he would have liked. Where to? I shouldn't stay out long. Oh, I don't know, just cruising the strip. She laughed. When they were in high school, riding up and down the main road in the next town over was considered the highest source of Friday night entertainment. Okay, then. Jamie closed her book, and she and George got out of her car. She opened the door to Webb's truck, letting George in first and climbing in after him. Those tuberoses again, he thought, enjoying a hint of her perfume. She was wearing an oversized black dress that danced just above her knees and was falling off one shoulder. Webb quickly looked away, thinking he shouldn't pay too much attention to the freckles dotting her collarbone. He pulled out of the drive-in and headed away from Bradshaw toward the next town. Between the two places, the road got dark. She leaned toward the front window and looked at the sky. It's so beautiful here, she murmured. Her hair was in a twist, but loose strands were spilling out. An occasional streetlight illuminated her blonde highlights, making it seem like the stars were falling into her hair. He gazed at her as long as he safely could. Yeah, it is, he breathed, then cleared his throat, looked back at the road, and reached over to pet George with his right hand. She was quiet for a moment, then leaned back into the seat. As she continued to stare out the window, he felt her hand land on top of his. They both jumped, and he put his hands back on the wheel. Sorry, he said. I was just, you know, George. Oh, me too, she replied. I mean, it's fine. So, <clears throat> just got a craving tonight, huh? He asked. Yeah, good old ocean water sounded like it would hit the spot. Daddy seemed to be resting comfortably, so I thought I'd reward myself. I finished grading for midterms today. Oh, and I talked with Lacey again, by the way. She stopped by the office about the Freeman program. I'm excited for her. Me too, he replied. Even though I can't imagine her being in Europe for a whole summer. I'm going to worry myself sick over her. Oh, you know how capable she is, Jamie said. She'll be just fine. But I have to admit, I'd probably do the same if it were Amanda. She gestured to his drink and continued. What about you? In the mood for a float tonight? Yeah, I actually end up out here a lot. Taylor always turned in pretty early and I'm a night owl. It's a good place to think. Wait, you stay up late and then get up early? Don't you ever sleep? Not much, he admitted. I used to get up a couple of times to check on Lacey through the night, especially before she got her pump, and guess my sleep patterns never settled down after all those years. The streetlights got more frequent as they approached the Walmart on the edge of the next town. He turned onto what they'd called the Strip in high school a three-mile stretch of road consisting of two red lights and a variety of fast-food restaurants. At that hour on a Tuesday, though, they had the road mostly to themselves. I can't believe how familiar but unfamiliar this is, Jamie said. Like, the fuel city's still there, but they've changed the roof. It's blue now. Well, the old one was blown off in a tornado a few years ago. And the Southland Diners still advertising they have air conditioning like they have for 50 years. But that's a brand new grocery store, isn't it? Oh, and Southern Barbecue. I still remember my first summer up north when someone invited us over. They said they were going to barbecue some ribs at their house. I looked at them like they were crazy and said barbecue is not a verb. It felt like someone was squeezing his heart as he heard her list off one change after another. After all she'd forgotten about their graduating class, she knew the area itself better than he thought she would have. 
It feels silly to be surprised, she continued. I mean, of course things are going to change in 20 years. It's just a weird feeling, especially since I never thought I'd be back here. Kind of tender, I guess. Yeah, I can see that, he said. Hey, I was telling Lacey tonight about how Hank and I met, and it made me wonder about you and Taylor. How'd y'all meet? In school at Auburn. She wanted to be a vet tech, and we ended up in some of the same classes. She was going to help with my practice when we moved back here, but we couldn't get along enough at work. So she ended up going back to pharmacy school instead. Anyway, she was from a small town in Georgia and always wanted to live in a small town, just like me. He shrugged. Sounds like you were a good fit from the start, Jamie said. When did you get married? About six months after you did, he replied and looked over at her. Your daddy told me you and Hank had gone straight to the courthouse after graduation. He paused, wondering if he should tell her he'd proposed to Taylor the next day. He glanced back at the road, then over at her again. Jamie was looking out the window and Webb wondered what she was thinking. She turned back to him and he was surprised to see tears in her eyes. I tried to tell Lacey tonight to be careful about life choices, she said, without being too heavy-handed, of course. I should have told her not to marry somebody just because you like his name. Sounds like good advice, he replied, wondering if her marriage hadn't been as blissful as he'd always pictured. Maybe that's why she'd kept her maiden name. She laughed through her tears and shook her head. I always hated getting advice at her age. Wouldn't listen to anybody. Of course, if I had... She trailed off and looked out the window again. He made a U-turn at the end of the strip and headed back in the direction they'd started. Would you do things differently, if you had the chance? He asked. Oh, yes and no, she replied. I mean, I regret a lot with Hank, but it is what it is, you know? I might as well be honest, things weren't good with him. I never told Daddy, but we'd actually separated a few months before he died. So, yeah, there's a lot to regret there, but I wouldn't trade Amanda for anything. I know what you mean, he replied. Things were hard with us, too, probably in some different ways than y'all, but hard is hard. We had Lacey's diagnosis, which we always had trouble getting on the same page about. Then Taylor's, his voice broke. He couldn't talk about it, especially with her. But you're right. Lacey's worth it, he continued. She's the reward at the end of the day. Well, her and God. It's funny how the hard stuff brings you closer to him. Really? She asked. I thought it would have the opposite effect. I guess I see how it could, he said, nodding. But for me, it's helped me learn more about his character, how to be strong and faithful, because that's how he is, how he's always there with us, even through the hard, maybe especially through the hard. My faith's a lot stronger now than it used to be, and I don't think that would be true if we hadn't struggled in the ways we did. You seem to be drawing from a deeper well than I am, she said. He glanced at her as she scratched a sleeping George behind the ears. Maybe, but you give him a chance and a little time, and I think it's a well everybody can draw from. She frowned thoughtfully, and they were quiet for the rest of the drive. He pulled into the drive-in again, put the truck in park, then turned to look at her. Sure, my faith is strong, he thought, but why does she have to be so beautiful? Her chin-length blonde hair was perpetually pulled up, but it made her high cheekbones and light blue eyes stand out even more. He'd seen her face change from a little kid to a young woman to what it was now, and she had just gotten more attractive at every stage. 
He wanted nothing more than to lean over and take her in his arms to pull her body close to his and find every single freckle with his lips. That's not true, he thought, tearing his thoughts away from her collarbone as the now familiar guilt came creeping back into his heart. He wanted only one thing more, and that was to do the right thing, to make things right with God after messing up so badly. That means things stay on the friendship level with us, he thought. I don't deserve anything more. Fighting every physical impulse coursing through him, he kept his hands tight on the steering wheel, his knuckles whitening. He didn't trust himself to let go. Good night, Webb, she said. Thanks for the drive. Night, Doc. See you in the morning, he said. Hot cider's ready, Libby said, as she sailed into the sunroom from the kitchen. Cups are set out. Y'all help yourselves and let me know if I added too much spice. I was just trying to make it as spicy as we are. She winked as her friends and their protégés all stood and filed obediently into the kitchen. Jamie remained standing and looking out the sunroom window. The backyard was spacious and lined with trees, but all you could see at night were a few of the stars. Not much of a view this time of night, Libby said as she walked to her and put her arm around Jamie's waist. Libby, why do bad things happen to good people? Jamie, girl, that's a bigger question than even I can answer, she replied. What's on your mind? Oh, just thinking about Mama and Webb. Webb? Yeah, we were riding around talking the other night, and he's just had so much on him, Jamie said. Oh, dear, Libby thought. We're going to need to have a talk about that. He said it's only made his faith stronger, Jamie continued, and brought him closer to God, but I think he is the best man I've ever known. Why would he have to carry something as hard as losing a spouse so early, just like Daddy? Leave it to Webb to have his heart's desire served up to him on a platter and turn it down to talk about God, she thought, half relieved and half concerned. She wondered how much Webb had actually told her about Taylor's death and the guilt she knew her son was still carrying from that night. The other women returned to the room, and Libby squeezed Jamie's shoulder. Well, let's crowdsource it, she said, as they all sat back down, spreading out in the furniture across the room. Having a full house always made her heart feel full. Ladies, we've got our topic for tonight. Jamie has asked that age-old question of why bad things happen to good people. Martha Ann, you want to take this one? Martha Ann looked up in surprise, and Libby nodded pointedly at her, hoping her message would go through. Out of the four of them, Martha Ann had walked the toughest road, and Libby felt like she could speak to this better than just about anyone. A look of understanding came into her eyes, and she smiled. I'll be real honest with y'all, she said, turning to face the whole group. From my experience, and I've had a whole lot of it, it's hard to know why. I mean, sometimes we bring problems on ourselves, sure, but sometimes it just happens to us. I mean, we read that in the Bible. Jesus himself said the sun rises and the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, so I'm not going to try to answer something that's beyond my music degree. She leaned over and took Jamie's hand and Libby was glad to see Jamie appeared to be listening. But I'll tell you something else. God will be with us through it all if we let him in close, and you'll find more beauty in that closeness than you would ever have imagined. I'm going to be bold and say there's sometimes even more beauty in the closeness than when the circumstances work out just as good as you want. God is the best thing. Walking with him is the reward, I promise you, Jamie. Martha Ann looked around the room, and Libby knew she'd chosen wisely. I promise all of you, it's true what Isaiah says about those treasures in darkness. The bad is made bearable with him beside you, and anything good on top of that is even sweeter. 
The room was quiet for a moment as she took a sip of her cider. Gracious, Libby, you did make these spicy tonight. Well, it's getting chilly outside, Libby laughed. We've got to stay warm. Now who's next? Jamie continued to think about the conversation from Libby's group for the next several weeks. She was still mulling it over one Friday night in mid-November when she opened the door after work to a quiet house. The smell of the vegetarian lasagna she'd tossed in the crockpot that morning filled the room, and she knew it must have been driving George crazy all day. If she were being entirely honest with herself, she'd also continued to think about her hand landing on top of webs the night they'd gone out riding around. It had just been a moment, a half second, before he'd pulled his hand away. Her hand on his, though, somehow felt like going back in time, but maybe to a parallel universe. Why had he pulled his hand away so fast, she thought, biting her lip and also wondering why she'd wanted to leave hers there with his. She took a deep breath and pushed Webb out of her mind as the hospice nurse came out of her father's bedroom, George at her heels, and met Jamie in the hall as she put her computer case on the entry table. How's he doing today? Jamie asked. The nurse frowned. Not so great, I'm afraid. I think you need to go ahead and prepare yourself, Miss Romans. Tears filled her eyes and she quickly swallowed them, pulling in her stomach tightly, a trick she had learned during her reporting days when a story started to hit her hard. She still had a job to do here, too. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Is he... I mean, can I... What What do I do? The nurse put a gentle hand on her shoulder. Take a deep breath and let's sit a minute. They sat on the red leather settee in the entryway. It's probably going to be a few more days, the nurse said, but his body is starting to show the signs of shutting down. He's in what we call the active dying stage. Jamie frowned. A few more days? How do you know? Well, you've had a baby, right? The nurse asked. Yeah, she responded. The dying process is kind of like labor, honey. You see what's happening and you know it's coming, but you don't know if that baby's going to be here in eight hours or 18 or if it's like my first was, three days. Jamie pursed her lips and nodded. She'd known this was coming, but she still felt completely unprepared to say goodbye to the man who had given her a lifetime of challenging conversations, sage advice, and unconditional love. I've been here helping y'all for several weeks now, and I can see your daddy knows you love him. Just go on in and spend some time with him. Say anything you feel like you need to, anything you think would encourage him. Even in the times he can't respond, he can hear you. Really? Oh, sure, it'll bring both of you comfort to go talk with him. Now, you have all of our numbers and shifts, right? You call those anytime you need us, anytime at all. Otherwise, I'll see you again in the morning, okay? Jamie nodded again. Thank you, she said. You've been very kind to my father and to me. I know you were just keeping me busy the other night when you had me cleaning out the refrigerator with you. Guilty, the nurse laughed. But I wouldn't have it any other way for Mr. James. He helped me out a few years ago when my ex-husband was giving me a hard time about our custody arrangement. She rolled her eyes, shook her head, and continued as they both stood. I think a lot of your daddy, and all of us nurses will help in any way we can. That's why we're here. Now don't be afraid. Go on in and talk to him. Jamie walked her to the door, then let George out into the front yard. She wondered if she should call Libby or Webb. If it's going to be a while longer, though, I probably shouldn't call them just yet, she thought, grabbing the ponytail holder she kept around her wrist and pulling her hair back. No, this is something I have to do myself. George, y'all set, pal? She called. He trotted up the front steps, and they went inside, then back to her father's room. 
He was asleep, but she could hear a faint rattling in his chest. She squeezed his hand gently, and he stirred and tried to open his eyes. Hey, Daddy, she whispered. You don't have to talk or anything. Just wanted you to know I'm here. God, she prayed, almost desperately. I know it's been a while since we talked, but I need your help. Can you give me the words to say, the words he needs to hear right now? Daddy, can I tell you, can I tell you that you did a good job at everything? I know I was a handful, especially after Mama died, but you did so good, Daddy. You fought the good fight. You finished the race. You kept the faith. Where did that one come from, she thought. Then she caught a glimpse of her father's nightstand with his Bible and reading glasses on top. How many times did we read through that Bible at night, she thought, smiling. Some of it must have stuck with me. He groaned softly and tried to open his mouth. It's okay, you don't have to talk, she said again. George whined and settled in at her feet. Jamie, he whispered. Webb. What about Webb, she frowned. A good man, he whispered again, his voice fading. Yeah, she said, Webb's a good man. Sounds like it's been nice to have him for a neighbor, too. Jamie girl. She smiled. The man never could resist talking. God loves you. So much. So do I. So much. Tears filled her eyes. Her dad wasn't cold, but he wasn't one for sentiment, either. She could count on one hand the number of times he'd told her he'd loved her when she was growing up. I love you, too, Daddy, she whispered. And I'm right here. James drifted back to sleep, and she sat a few minutes, then tiptoed to the kitchen. She put a piece of the lasagna on a plate that ended up giving more to George than eating herself. She checked on her dad again, changed into more comfortable clothes, grabbed a book and her phone, and settled in on the chaise lounge in her father's room, wondering again if she should call Libby. No need to bother her tonight, she thought. I'll let her know how things are going in the morning. George whined again, his big eyes looking mournfully at her. We can let Webb know in the morning, too. No need to call him tonight, George. We're here. We don't need anyone else, right? George settled his chin on his paws and promptly went to sleep. But Jamie found she couldn't relax enough to sleep or focus enough to read. It reminded her of the first night she and Hank brought Amanda home from the hospital. Amanda was nursing every two hours, but Jamie couldn't sleep even between the feedings. She'd lean over the bassinet to make sure her small daughter was breathing. You need your sleep, too. Hank had murmured. I'll sleep when she's bigger, Jamie had replied. I just can't stop watching her. She didn't know she'd never quite sleep the same way again, she thought. Even after Amanda got bigger, there was always something to worry about. Late night fevers, stomach bugs, then dates and college decisions, always something to keep her up at night. She looked at her father again and ran her hands over her hair, smoothing the loose ends back into her ponytail. Still breathing, she thought. God, since we're talking tonight, maybe keep me awake. Help me keep watch over him. Thank you for giving me such a good father. Help me to do right by him here. She was startled to realize how good it had felt to pray again, like a tall drink of water after an August run. Maybe Libby's right, she thought, and I should do this more often. Webb waited for about three minutes at the front of the Romans' house. They'd never specifically said what time they were going to run every morning. 
After the second day, he'd shown up at the end of her driveway and had just been an understanding. They would meet at 6 a.m., and except for the Bama game, neither of them had missed a day, Monday through Saturday, since they'd started a couple of months ago. He jogged in place a minute longer, did a few stretches, and craned his neck to look around. He saw a few lights on in the back of the house, so he finally decided to take a chance and knock. Jamie opened the door in a Yale t-shirt and sweatpants, George at her heels. The Bassett trotted around them and went to the hydrangea bushes. I'm sorry, she said. I should have let you know, but I've been up all night with Daddy. He's The hospice worker says it won't be long, but then she said it could also be a couple of days. It's so hard to see him like this, and I'm just trying to sit beside him and keep him comfortable or just be with him. I don't know what I'm doing, though. Thank goodness. They'll be back in an hour to check on him again, too. Her words all tumbled out in a rush, and she ran her hands through her hair that was spilling out of her ponytail. She's even more tightly wound than usual, he thought. I'm sorry, she said again. I'm just, I I don't know what I am. I feel like I can't even think straight. It's okay, he said, squeezing her shoulder. Hey, why don't you take that run? Let me sit here with him for a few minutes and give you a break. Oh, I don't know, she said, looking back over her shoulder toward her dad's room. Doc, he said gently, it's okay. It'll be good for you. She paused, then finally nodded and went upstairs as he bent to talk to George, who had returned to the porch and to give him a generous scratch behind the ears. How you doing this morning, old buddy? Taking care of your mom and grandpa? Want to hang out with me for a few minutes? George's tail wagged slowly, then he flopped onto his side and pulled his legs up for Webb to rub his belly. George was a cat. He'd be purring, Webb thought. Good old fella, he whispered. Jamie came downstairs in the same clothes, but with her running shoes, phone, and earbuds. What are you listening to today, since you don't have to listen to me? Webb straightened up and grinned. She gave him a small smile in return. Charlie Pride, daddy's favorite. Okay, the nurse's numbers are all by the phone in the kitchen, and of course you have mine, but are you sure about this? I could just... Doc, he paused until he was sure she was looking at him. Take a deep breath. It's okay to need a break. Just take 20 minutes. You'll feel better when you get some fresh air. Fifteen, she countered. Deal, he said, then pointed in the direction of her father's room. Mind if I head on back? Sure. He started toward the hall, and she put her hand on his arm. Webb, thank you. Their eyes met again, and he nodded. He hated she was having to walk through this, but sitting with James was the least he could do for her. She hesitated one more time, then headed out the front door, and he walked back into the master bedroom of the old house he knew almost as well as his own. James was sleeping, but his breathing was labored. Webb sat beside him and put a hand on his arm. Hey, listen, he whispered. I know you can't answer back, and that's fine. I just wanted to say a few things to you while I had the chance. James stirred and groaned quietly, the rattle thickening in his chest. Webb watched him for a moment then continued. Next to my own daddy, you've been the finest man I know. Did a good job, James. You fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. I'm so proud to have known you, and I'm proud I've gotten to be your friend, especially the last few years. He could have sworn the old man smiled. With Taylor being gone now, I've thought a lot about how you had to raise Jamie on your own. You did a good job with her, too, even if she did turn out to be pretty sassy. She loves you so much, you know, he said. James groaned again and tried to lift his arm. 
Webb took his hand, and James barely squeezed it. She really does, he continued, then thought about how he would feel if he were leaving Lacey behind. Oh, you're worried for her, of course. Hey, she's gonna be fine. You know she's smart as a whip and so strong, and she's not alone or anything. She's got Amanda and Mama. He stared at James for another moment. She's got me, too, he said, barely above a whisper. She's always had me. James took another labored, shaky breath, then stopped breathing for a few seconds. Webb glanced at his watch as he kept an eye on him. The breaths were slowing and getting farther in between. Oh, no, not yet, he thought. Not while she's gone. He kept one hand on James's and pulled out his phone. He debated texting Jamie, but she'd be halfway through and not able to get back any faster. Instead, he texted his mother, quickly went to the kitchen to get the nurse's number, then returned to the old man. Jamie had kept the run just under 15 minutes, but when she got back to her house, the hospice worker's car was already there. Dang it, she muttered. She jogged up the porch steps and Webb stepped through the front door to meet her, his eyes wet and his jaw clenched. She knew instantly. No, she said. He nodded. She felt like a piece of paper that someone was wadding up. Her spine crumpled and she bent forward, her hands in fists. Her knees were about to buckle when Libby came flying out of the house and put her arms around her, pulling Jamie back to her feet. It's okay. It's okay, sweet girl, she said. A door opened inside her and all the pain came rushing out as she sobbed into Libby's shoulder. I missed it. I wasn't here for him. Again, I have never been here for him, she cried, her shoulders shaking. I'm so sorry, Doc. I shouldn't have, Webb started to say, but Libby interrupted. Now, both of y'all, just hush, she said. James Romans never did anything without intention. As a parent, there are some situations we don't want our children to endure. He apparently didn't want you to have to be here at that moment, Jamie. He wanted to spare you that pain, and Webb, God just put you in the right place at the right time. Be glad you made the right decision without even knowing what you were doing. Jamie sniffed hard and raised her head off Libby's shoulder. Do you really think that, or are you just saying it? She asked. Of course I think that, Libby replied, putting a hand on the side of her face. You coming home to be with him meant the world to him. He was proud as punch this summer. You were here for him, Jamie. You were. Don't you let any voice inside of you tell you differently. She kept one arm around Jamie and moved her other one to take Webb's hand. And you were here for him today, just like God knew he needed. Webb wiped his eyes. He really was so happy you were home, Doc, he said. We've had a lot of good talks these last few months. He showed me the video Amanda made of your going away party. He liked that one a lot. Did he really? Jamie laughed, then stopped. She couldn't fathom how she was going to tell her daughter, once again, a man she loved was gone. It was certain to bring up memories of her own dad. Oh, Amanda, she's going to be heartbroken over this, especially after Hank. Libby nodded. But she has you, and you have us, and you have God. You're not alone in this suite. We're here for you, and so is he. Okay, she whispered deciding to borrow a bit of Libby's faith, because, despite her prayers the night before, she didn't feel like God was anywhere close at the moment.